I call it the three D's of safety. One piece, of course, being duality. And so like if you think of it in terms of safety, you use two contactors to make that redundancy. What we use is we use what we call double valves. Welcome to the McNaughton McKay podcast, your electrical connection. Each episode, we meet with an industry expert to tackle real issues in manufacturing. Join your host, Austin Davidson, to get the latest scoop on automation products and solutions. Welcome back to the McNaughton McKay podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing fluid power. Now, on some recent episodes, we discussed hydraulics and some of the uh, different technologies and applications that are emerging around that space. And I myself am not super familiar with the hydraulic and pneumatic space. So to help me walk through the idea of what is fluid power and how to safely uh, manage it, I am joined today by the Global VP of Safety Business Development for Ross Controls. You may know him for his 15 plus years with Rockwell Automation, serving as their Global Business Development Manager for safety products. Today, I have Chris Brogel. Chris, how's it going? Just fine. Well, welcome, everyone. I hope uh, you're having a, a safe and productive day. Of course, of course. So, like I said, we, we've had a couple discussions on the podcast recently surrounding this space, but uh, it's something even, even with me working from the safety side um, of products, usually we're talking the electrical side. So I myself do not have much knowledge of fluid power and, and all the surrounding safety. So uh, to kick things off, could you give us an overview, what, what do you consider fluid power? What do, you, what do you think are the important aspects of it? Well, when we start thinking about uh, electrical, you know, electrical, you know, deals with the electricity and the power created by electricity. And when we talk fluid power, it's just energy created by fluid power. And that would be, could include air, it could include hydraulics, it even could include water power. So it's any energy that is generated by a gas or liquid. So rather than electricity, we have gases and liquids. And I know from the side of, uh, say, electrical safety, typically we are trying to make sure that the uh, equipment is de-energized before somebody comes into contact with it for all intents and purposes. So I'm assuming with fluid power, from the safety aspect, that's essentially what we're trying to do there as well, right? Exactly. Except instead of using a contactor or a variable frequency drive or a servo system, we're actually using valves to control either the gas or the fluid. Perfect. And I, I think that's where you start to lose me a little bit because I'm very familiar with the electrical side. But uh, when it comes to the valves and the ways that we can disperse uh, the pressure or the energy that's built up by this gas and liquid, uh, that, that's just something completely out of my realm. And it seems like in my recent experience, since I've been trying to pay attention uh, with my customers, it seems like even for them, a lot of the time, the automation focus is around the electrical side. So, uh, you know, these gaps in knowledge we have with with fluid power, I'm assuming since you're you're in the industry, you're an expert, you've got a good idea. What, what are these gaps in knowledge that people tend to have? Let me explain maybe first the, the cause of the gaps okay. and then what those gaps actually are. If you look at uh, machine safety, Um, I've been sitting on standards for over 20 years, and most of the people that are sitting on standards are from automation suppliers Mm -hmm. or from uh, the electrical side. And so if you look at the way most of the standards are written, and even most of the safety training courses, they're all written around electrical safety. 
because the people that really got safety started were companies like Pills and Rockwell and Siemens and those kind of guys. And those are mostly electrical companies and they're automation product companies. So they were the ones that really started teaching a lot of the safety courses. And um, I was a TUV instructor when I was at Rockwell. And I know the functional safety engineer course had 455 pages. 450 of it were related to electrical. There was only five pages dedicated to fluid power. So what has happened then is a gap in the industry caused by how it was taught. So, so it's not just me. It's it... No, it's okay. not just you. And that's one thing that we have been at Ross trying to help people understand that safety doesn't end at the wire. Sure. That wire is controlling things. And sometimes it's controlling valves. Sometimes it's controlling a contactor. Sometimes it's controlling a VFD. It's all about how you control the sources of hazardous energy. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. The standards talk about controlling hazardous energy, but most of the people teaching safety courses are about how to control it electrically. Sure. And I think, and I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thought. Electricity sometimes, because it's harder to physically see unless, you know, you have arcing or lightning or anything like that. Uh, I, I think people it's harder to wrap their head around sometimes. They just know, oh, lightning's bad. That's going to hurt. But on the, the other side, hydraulics and pneumatics, I mean, you can see what's going on a lot of the time with them. You know, what the more recent episode we did when we were talking about pneumatics, I mean, they were talking about hoses whipping around just, just from their own pressure. So I'm assuming that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to de-energize, right? Yeah. yeah we're trying to de-energize sources of energy. And so those sources of energy might be that air hose that's coming to a valve or that air hose that's coming to a cylinder or an actuator that causes movement. And so air itself is not bad. We breathe it every day. It's how, how we have compressed air and how we're utilizing it to drive actuators. Sure. And so what we're really trying to do is control those sources of that hazardous motion. And in the electrical world, what controls the motion is that contactor or that variable frequency drive, the actual actuator is the motor that's causing the hazard. It's mm -hmm. not the actual control device. Well, it's the same thing in pneumatics. The cylinder or the motor, the air motor, are what's causing the hazard, but valves are controlling it. So the valves are the critical infrastructure that does the control of fluid power. And, and that's why we have standard control valves, just like you have standard contactors certainly and then you have safety contactors and you also have safety valves so what where the difference is is many times these are certified products much like the electrical products are certified and many times they're also redundant and so that's where we start getting into fluid power safety is the use of redundant valves that that um, basically do a safety function understandable yeah i think it's funny because I have heard the term, you know, relief valve, but usually the context that it's always been presented is it's not really a, a safety situation so much. It's more of just, oh, there's a pressure buildup. We got to let some out. And for whatever reason, that that safety portion just never clicked. But obviously I'm I'm the product of a systematic lack of knowledge. Right. So we've identified at this point. Uh, it's not just me. It's just the way that standards have been written. So. If we were to move through fluid power, could you draw some some other comparisons or some uh, some best practices? You know, how, how do we make these safe? Well, the way you make it safe is by using 
uh, product that has been verified by the manufacturer or their authorized representative or certification body, if you will, mm-hmm. that the product meets safety requirements per the standards. And there are standards for fluid power safety. And the problem is most people don't know they exist or have never read them. Yeah. But I guarantee you they've read the electrical equivalents. Certainly. And so, uh, for example, there is a international standard called ISO 4413 and 14. One of those is for pneumatic safety. The other is for hydraulic safety. And they were published in 2010 and 2011, going back, you know, 10, 11 years. And when you ask most of the safety people, they've never read those, but they have read the electrical equivalents. So many times they don't even know they exist. And so there's a lot more guidance in recent, in in the last two to three years around fluid power safety than there used to be. I think those dates even show a little bit extra, right? I mean, I got to imagine the electrical safety codes have been out for much longer than a decade. If we're talking that these yes. pneumatic and hydraulic ones have only been out for yeah, 30, 10 or 40 years. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, so obviously it's something that has, it, we'll say kind of has been on the back burner, but it's something that you guys deal with a lot. And I know from the electrical side, you know, we have different things that we can use like Systema and Rockwell has their safety automation builder. Are there, how do we assess the steps? I mean, I'm assuming this is similar. We would start with a risk assessment um, and then and move from there. Absolutely. On the Ross website, there's something called the Fluid Power Safety Guidebook, and it outlines basically a six-step process, much like the Rockwell five-step safety development process, or as Rockwell called it, the safety life cycle. Mm-hmm. And it basically starts with the risk assessment. And from the risk assessment, um, it leads into functional specification development, which identifies how we're going to control the sources of hazardous energy. Then it leads into product selection and product uh, implementation and design. And then it also includes the validation piece, uh, which, as you talked about, can be done. That validation can be done using Systema. And so it's very similar to the machine safety lifecycle that Rockwell teaches. And it's the same basic process. And it follows the hierarchy of risk reduction according to ANSI B110 or ISO 12100. And then you mentioned a couple of other tools there, like Safety Automation Builder. Yeah. When I was at Rockwell, um, I was one of the authors of that tool. And uh, Ross Controls is the only fluid power company that is included in Safety Automation Builder. And so you can actually select fluid power products inside of Safety Automation Builder, you know, which is Rockwell's, uh, one of Rockwell's safety softwares. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to me that this has not received as much attention, but I guess I guess that's just the way things go sometimes. So let's say for the sake of safety, just just to give people a quick overview, uh, if they're less familiar with safety in general, right? Uh, typically, we're looking to to achieve the highest levels of safety ratings. Uh, we need duality, we need diversity of products, and we need diagnostics. All that's on the electrical side. Is that are those three D's followed for uh, what you guys are talking about with the pneumatics and hydraulics? Absolutely. I call it the three D's of safety. And, you know, one piece, of course, being duality, um, meaning you've got redundant elements. And so, like, if you think of it in terms of safety, you use two contactors to, to make that redundancy. What we use is we use what we call double valves. It's a valve with two valve elements inside. And those valve elements are monitored by diagnostics. That's the second D. So we're monitoring position or pressure coming off of those two elements. And then 
the other piece is all about, um, you know, the ability to monitor faults in the system. And so you've got that whole diversity uh, as well, because sometimes you're using a normally open set of contacts, a normally closed set of contact tacks. Mm -hmm. So you are doing the 3Ds with valves, just like you do in the electrical world. It's not much different. But again, these are valves that have been tested. These are valves that have been certified and valves that have diagnostic feedback. If you're just using a standard valve with no diagnostics and it's a single valve, it's probably not a safety valve. Certainly, certainly. And I think that's, you know, one one of the examples that I like a colleague of mine uh, had told me, he goes, well, safety, it just depends what, what you're looking for. And it depends on what rating we're looking for, because technically the sensor that's on your garage door you could consider that now, albeit a very poor safety device, it's not going to have probably any kind of long, robust mean time to failure, but that's preventing the garage door from hitting you on the head. So from my understanding, there's never one answer for these applications. It's all dependent on the risks that we're seeing, how often people are encountering them and how severe they are, right? Yes, absolutely. It's 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 all about the risk assessment and most risks... Uh... Assessment methods look at severity, frequency, possibility of avoidance, and probability of occurrence in order to determine the required system performance. And it's the same way with pneumatics, except, you know, we're looking at pressure and force uh, that's generated by fluid power devices. Whereas electrical, we're just looking at se- severity, frequency, possibility of avoidance. Yep. So the factors are similar, but just a little different because we are dealing with air and hydraulics instead of electricity. Certainly. So... That is our quick introduction to pneumatic and hydraulic, or as Chris had said, fluid power safety. If you happen to be using any kind of compressed air and you're not sure if you're guarding it appropriately, obviously the first thing we need to do is do a risk assessment. And even that, McNaughton McKay and folks like Chris and his team at Ross Controls could help. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to your local McNaughton McKay account manager, or you can email us at podcast at mc-mc.com. Chris, thanks for your time. You're welcome.